Someone was uh, <coughs> asking me a question a few minutes ago. The question was uh, an, an interesting one. It, it was, um, how, is a, how is a quiet mind? What, what does a quiet mind look like? Or what does it do? <laughs> what is a quiet mind? And I thought I could uh, start uh, sharing ideas with that question, maybe. Um, there's a teacher I, I uh, enjoy teaching with, <coughs> Heather Martin. She's on the West Coast. I teach with her in uh, Vancouver and uh, in that area anyway. And uh, the last time in the spring I was teaching with her, she brought uh, this very beautiful image that I thought was um, speaking a lot about what we do. And she was... Um, I mean, her whole talk was about this. So I'm just going to use the image. But she was uh, saying, we live a lot, uh, like, uh, the way we live a lot is like, uh, you could compare it to using the fingers like this. You know, manipulating things, thinking about this. If I do this, do that, this is going to happen, I'll do this. Then I go back, I'll take care of that. And, you know, it's very much like, like this. We organize things, we think about things, different aspects of our lives. So we can be sitting here and like, if I do this, probably this, this, this is going to happen. But what if it turns out like that, you know? <laughs> it's very like this, you know? And so then we, we come to meditation and there's a switch. We're not trying to organize the pieces and fix things and manipulate things and organize things and you know, get things and get rid of things, and you know, it's it's not like that. It's it's much more like, ooh, and then she does something like this, you know, like showing the palms of the hands, you know. And the practice of meditation is very much like this. So we start messing around. We stop messing around with stuff, and we we just kind of uh, maybe weigh it, feel it, you know. And so that's that's what we're doing here. So that could be answering the question of the what is a quiet mind? A quiet mind is feeling stuff. You know, it's not this is not a quiet mind. This is a quiet mind. And so what we're doing here is tending towards this. Oh, stepping. I'm going here, then I'm going to go to my room, then I'm going to get a little tea, then I'm going to fix all my little stuff, you know. <laughs> it's, oh, stepping feels like this, you know. Or, oh, boredom. Not like, let me take my messages because I'm bored and I get to, you know. No, boredom. Look at that. Oh, wanting to disappear, wanting to be somewhere else. You know, quietness, sweetness. Vulnerability, tenderness, confusion, hearing, hearing, breathing. You know, so we're not using things anymore, we're discovering. So that can be partly uh, what is a quiet mind. Also, another way to answer what is a quiet mind is um, a mind that is protected from a number of states of mind that are difficult to be with, and you might recognize a few. <laughs> Typically, especially on the first day of a retreat, that's why I'm saying you might recognize, on the first day of a retreat, often 
there is this, there's, the mind is not quiet. The mind is kind of a little gross. It's not very refined. You know, it's been used to getting things done and, you know, and being used as a tool to achieve and, you know, bang oneself maybe, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and so th- the chances that the mind is, um, is going to be reactive are higher on the first day of a retreat, you know, that it's going to, like, be reactive to, you know, this, I don't know, ring the bell. You have to ring the bell now, you know, we've been, this is way too long, you know, <laughs> like, like, cannot be with what is, like, not much, for example, will want something else, will want something else. Do you recognize something like this at some point today? This mind wanting something else? It might be a thing, thing, thing. It might be it wants a other place, it wants to be somewhere else, or it wants to feel something else than what it feels. In the body, it wants not to feel that crookedness. It wants to feel that light, that levitating lightness, you know. Or it might be, it wants to, maybe it wants to feel differently inwardly. It wants to be a little bit more gathered. It's a little too scattered. Or it wants to be a little less obsessed with that thing that it's been obsessed with for the last decade. (laughs) 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 And so you might be sitting there and the mind is a little bit like this, like, no, 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 not that, I don't want this, I don't, I want, I I want it to ring now, I want to, I don't want walking, I want belly dancing, (laughs) you know, like give me something else, you know, not that, you know, and, and again, the practice of quieting the mind is, oh, the mind is agitated right now. Let's discover this. What is an agitated mind? This is what I'm given right now. This is an achy body that is being offered by freely by life, generously <laughs> by life. Is it possible to be in the middle of a, that? Even in the middle of a dejection, you know, discouragement, low energy, you know? And so a quiet mind is a mind that, with refinement, with applying attention again and again and again, and this is the trick of the trade here that I'm passing, don't miss it. The trick of the trade is not a forceful uh, effort, is a kind of a, is it the word, is the right word persistent? Maybe there's even too forceful in there, no? Persistent? Like dedicated. Uh, continuous, slight effort. Uh, the image that is used that I find really good, so I'm going to use it, is the image of uh, training a little puppy. You know, sit, love, sit. It goes like this for a second, and then you know, here's something, <laughs> and then you're like, no, sit, sit. I remember having a dog at some point. I was an unskilled person and an unskilled dog trainer. And I was like, I told you, sit! You know, like, don't you get it? And of course. <laughs> it's not, you know, it took me time. Somebody had to explain to me, no, it's not going to work. You know, you have to say, sit again. Actually, what you do with the dog, apparently, is you raise the chin and the butt goes down. You know? <laughs> so you go, sit, love, like this. And it goes like... <laughs> <laughs> and then, but you apply 
gentleness, kindness, sit, sit, and then it learns to sit. That's the kind of effort. So by applying the effort like we've been doing today, starting again, starting, the mind goes lost in some something. I hope I'm talking about something that describes somewhat of your experience. Very slight, subtle, (laughs) discreet, little, yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) But um, by bringing attention again and again, we learn to let, we're letting go of the wanting something else, wanting to be somebody else, you know, all these uh, difficult states of mind, these uses of the mind, uses, uses of the mind that are not so helpful. We let go and we come back to something that looks um, kind of passive, but is actually very much active, very, very known in the Buddhist psychology. And this is something you have to check out for yourself, but known in, in the Buddhist psychology to be extremely wholesome. This mindfulness, this being here again, connecting again connecting again because this is a wholesome quality of mind when it's fully there even if it's just for a second even if you tell me I'm just there for a second then I'm out again that second is a very wholesome training of the mind and in that second of being really there there's not it's not possible for the mind to be unwholesome wholesome unwholesome wholesome means <coughs> beneficial for me and beneficial for others. Beneficial for me now, and beneficial for me in the future, investment. So that when I say wholesome, that's what it means. It means it's not going to harm me. It's going to be for my liberation. And it's not going to harm others also. So every the community is protected. I'm protected, and I'm protected in the future. So when I come back to here now, with some kind of something in the field of, and you might have your own word or your own experience of it, but it's going to be something in the field of coming back with interest, curiosity, wanting to be there with that, to know that, or kind of a kindness, a caring. I think that's a good word, caring. Caring about what is happening now. The other thing that is extremely wholesome that is happening is I'm actually moving away, and I've said that, away from my ideas about stuff, which is as as almost all looks like reality, but is one feet, feet aside from reality. My ideas about things are not reality. Reality is something else. And so by paying attention, I come back to reality. So I'm in the, something that is more authentic, truly happening. And with this caring, the caring, the, it's either kindness or, again, curiosity or, or precision. It could be precision, being really careful about what is happening right now. Stepping is happening. Hearing is happening. Being kind of precise in this way. This kind of caring, like what is actually really happening right now? There are sensations in the legs. This is really happening. Then I'm meeting reality as it is. 
when I do this again and again, at some point the mind becomes what we could call, uh, what we call classically secluded, protected, protected from scatteredness, protected from all kinds of consideration about me and who I am and who I could have been, and if that, I'm protected from all these difficulties, and I'm just there exactly with what is, you know. That's the only. When I'm really there with what is, I can really take good care of it. That's the only time I could take good care of it, when I'm really there. If I'm really there for a child, I can really listen well and intuit, understand what they're seeing, saying, the body language. I can really read them much better. It's the best chances I have for appropriate response is by being very attentive. Same thing in this whole being here. Yeah. By being very attentive, I can find out a lot uh, about uh, this human nature. Friend, <laughs> go now. <laughs> And one part of what I can clarify for myself really well, and you might say to me, oh, we know this already, we know it's... But apparently we don't know it so well, is what we can clarify for ourselves is what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. We might all agree that uh, resentment, for example, rehashing with some kind of hatred of what happened is not good for us. We can all agree on this. I think most of us will say like, okay, this is probably not very awesome to feed feed, uh, resentment. But there's nothing quite, uh, it's too bad, but there's nothing quite like soaking in resentment with mindfulness. You know, seeing the mind going back there, going back there, because there's a kind of an ouch that becomes really clear, precise, <laughs> you know. It's not just the idea that I shouldn't do it, it's not really helpful for me. It really starts to hurt in a way that I can actually not I cannot afford it anymore. So the process that happens is like I see it happen, I see the damage it does in my chest, in my brain, in how it builds on it, yeah. And I but I have to be really there, really there to see the damage being done. In a very, and then there's a, some kind of some, that's wisdom that, that kicks in, that's like, shies away from that movement of the mind. Oh, can't do this anymore. Often with compassion, oh my love, don't, don't, don't do this to yourself. Let's just stay with the belly breathing. It's probably better to do this than go back towards that situation, you know, that phantom fiction storytelling, you know. And in that, you can see there's a renunciation. We let go of that kind of habit. We might not think in terms of wholesome and unwholesome. We might not have these ideas. Oh, this was unwholesome, I let it go. But that's the process that does happen kind of organically with the quality attention. So, with that careful attention, 
the wholesome is highlighted. It becomes really clear. And the unwholesome is highlighted and the wholesome too. When there's a this this mindfulness, this caring, it becomes really clear at some point that it is helpful. It is it is good for me. A good way to be. I can clarify this for myself. And then it's going to gain some strength by seeing it, seeing its effect. One of the effect, of, uh, one of the things that is much very, very clear when we experience it is the effect of kindness on one's mind. When the kindness is present, sometimes it takes the form of compassion, the caring for this difficulty inside of oneself, or the some kind of something, some I don't know if I can call it inner energy. Some, some. It's a factor of mind. It's a quality of mind that is there of co- kindness that can be there when it's when it's felt with mindfulness, with particular care. It's n- when it's known clearly, pleine conscience in French, mindfulness. Ple- when we fully conscious of it, we get really convinced. We don't have to believe somebody else about it you know we don't have to believe buddhist psychology we don't care about buddhist psychology we've just been touched by a friendly mind and we know that it's the best treasure it becomes really clear you know if i have to choose between so many things in the world i would definitely go for a friendly mind this is the best thing that can accompany me and then we learn how to cultivate that. <coughs> but this this is not it's not an easy um, it's not an easy road. Huh? It's uh, it's uh, it's very messy. That's been my experience anyway. It's like like I, I signed up, you know, I paid, I had all the right gears, I came at the right time, I got the dinner like now I'm going to sit and do it very cleanly. Now I'm going to so <laughs> so not like that. I'm taken by that in this direction, and I'm kidnapped in that direction for a while, and then I'm come back. And you know. there can be waves of doubt. You know, very difficult mind state to be in. Doubt: Can I do this? I can't do this. Others can do this. Probably I'm the only one here who can. Or maybe this is not going to be helpful in any way for me. You know, the, this is really a difficult uh, mind state to be in. In the not there, but I often say this because it's for me it's very convincing. In uh, many of the statues we see of the Buddha, there's a. If you look very quickly, you'll think he's um, he's sitting like this. But if you look a little bit closer, you'll see that his hand is like this, you know, kind of a little touching the ground. And I love this image so much. To me, it's, it really talks about this pa- practice of coming back to the senses. Because that image is not of the Buddha, actually. It's of the Buddha to be. This was this person trying to free their mind from confusion. And they were attacked I mean, it's very epic the way they present it, which represent really well our experience, I think. They say, like, mm-hmm. Mara came with this army of thousands of hundreds 
of soldiers, you know, saying to the Buddha, move out of there, you can't free the mind, who do you think you are, we're going to crush you, you know. And so that, I think it's a good kind of image that represents how we can be here in on prior on the cushion. <laughs> You're sitting there like, I can't. You know, the whole world is telling me that I'm a little piece of shit, you know, that can't achieve anything, you know. And something like, I mean, that's one version. The other version can be that I'm the best ever and nobody's going to be ever good as I am or, or some something in between these. <laughs> something. But anyway, there's an attack like this of a difficult mind state. And what does the Buddha to be do to help uh, himself, herself. They don't get into a fight with Mara, you know, like they what they do is just slightly touch with the finger the, the ground and come back to something real. Coming back to the senses. Maybe uh, the Buddha had seen the poster. <laughs> I don't know. Your chronology doesn't work. <laughs> it's the opposite. But uh, there's something very, very simple about it. So what's really happening? Pressure on the finger. So what is my suggestion here since yesterday? Is, is it possible to come back to just sitting? Can you be here? Do you really want to be here? Is that the best place for you to be? We'll never know. There might be a better, probably a better place for you to be. You know. But the fact that hearing is happening, this is real. So moving from the ideas about the world to the experience of it, cutting through to something really real. There's a body sitting here. There's a heart that is a mess. Or there's a heart that is neutral, or there's a heart that is light, you know, whatever it is. And becoming just aware of this, just as it is. And so again, it's the best, it seems, and again, do not believe me, check for yourself. And that's what I like about this practice to me, this practice is a practice of independence. I often say that. that it seems like what the Buddha was teaching or what is being taught, or definitely what I'm interested in, is the technique to see for oneself. So one doesn't have to believe anything. My, like the, my best version of what the Buddha was doing, what I like to think, is that he was saying, look, I'm going to show you something pretty simple, very effective. You're going to be independent. You're going to be able to check anything for yourself because I'm going to show you how to have an attention that is so precise, that doesn't go for um, assumptions, that doesn't go for with preconceived idea, <coughs> with what's been conditioned. It clarifies all this so that you can see for yourself what is helpful for you, what is not. And then you can decide for yourself. Ehi pasiko. See for yourself. And so that's mainly what I would like to you know, transmit here, this, this technique, so that one can develop a quality attention, so they can clarify for themselves what is liberating and what is entangling. 
which way the mind is used that is entangling and which ways it is uh, liberating or clarify views how I understand the world with this really um, generous dedicated attention one things one thing that we start to see is that things are changing constantly this is kind of one of the key points here like I'm not bringing anything new I'm talking about this every week in Montreal when I give a class but I want to point towards this because when we talk about the walking outside it's not that I would like you to become a specialist in the in walking you know like I'm a really good walker I can, I can do three speed <laughs> you know and I've been so attentive that I know all the muscles and all the mechanics I know all how it works I, do, I actually don't care about that It's not what I would want to give, you know, what what the practice is. is not to become a really good walker, knowing all the bones in the body. It's not this. It's the fact that you develop a quality attention and that you can suddenly start to see that things are disappearing all the time. Steps are disappearing when you're walking. When you sit here, breathe, breaths are disappearing. Up, down, gone. Up, down, completely gone. Where is your last breath, the one before? Non-existent. To tap into that level of reality, in a way, It's both things. It's not easy, and it's it's the only thing that is happening. It's the most obvious. It's the most. It's just what it's made of. But we're caught in our ideas. Ideas, concepts, solidify things. So it's me, Pascal, who was in Montreal two days ago, and me, Pascal, who's here, and it's kind of, and I'm like this, and I need to be otherwise. You know, and it's very kind of solid. You know, but the more I become attentive, I'm like, oh. There was boredom, came and boredom left. There was a, a thought that I'm the best, it came and then it left. And then the thought that I'm the worst, and came and left. You know, and all these perceptions, projections, thoughts, feelings, sensations, name it, try me. Anything you'll be experiencing, any phenomena you'll be experiencing here will have the quality of arising and passing. I have to get out of my stories to experience this directly. When I experience this direct, directly, it's just amazingly liberating. The thing that was taking my head, like grabbing my head, but they didn't say that last year when this and this happened. They should have said that, you know. If I'm caught in that story, I'm in that fiction, I'm in that trance, you know, it really happened and it didn't turn out. And, but if I'm really a, interested in phenomena, in the fact that now the mind is entranced by an image, I can actually let it go maybe and discover that, oh, it was just phantom-like. When I'm in the trance, I cannot know it's phantom-like. I'm in the movie, I'm in it, you know. But if I become aware of something, you know, a sound, I'll see that, whoops, that was very ephemeral. This 
mental formation, this vision that I have inside of me. So I don't have to debate with it, fight with it. I can just do like this, you know. So the coming back to our senses, coming back to this, and mostly when we, when we're, um, when we're sitting, it's uh, it's the sense of touch that will be there, and uh, and sounds. It could be that you open your eyes; your eyes are open when you practice, or sometimes you open them. Then there's colors, shapes, and forms, but mostly for mo- you know, there's not going to be so, such a, an amazing range of smells, you know. But smells will come by sometimes, maybe depending on the subtlety of that, you know, the how sensitive it is for us, right? taste. So it's going to be mostly sounds and uh, sensations. Mind state come with sensations. You know, joyfulness. Joy comes with a certain... Maybe lightness. They have kind of a felt sense to them. So for me it's included in coming back to the senses is to discover the felt sense of agitation. You know? And the felt sense of a spacious mind. It feels in a certain way. You know, So we can become sensitive to that. One aspect of the practice that I enjoy also is that this learning, learning to have a s- stability of mind. So that's another kind of quality that goes with the quietness, you know, quiet mind, but also equanimous mind, a balanced mind. That's what it tends to do when we bring attention and care to what's happening. We tend to bring a, a kind of a balance, or maybe it can be a confidence, it can show us confidence, but a capacity to be with something that is unpleasant. At the beginning is slightly unpleasant, and I can, I can, usually I would just react automatically, and I can say like, oh, this is slightly unpleasant, slightly unpleasant, can I be with this? This is a liberating movement of the mind. The capacity to be with something a little unpleasant. It can even, for some of us, become some kind of a sport. Like, in the sense that the mind can become joyful. If something a little unpleasant happens, it can say, like, can I be with this? Let me try to be with this. Allow this to be there. It has to be the good, you know, the good amount of unpleasant. There's a certain amount of unpleasant, it's going to be different for every one of us, but there's a certain amount of unpleasant that we can we can become kind of sport-like. I don't know if the image works for you, but that's how I think about it. It's like, okay, let's see if I can stay balanced with this little unpleasantness. 
and the unpleasantness, if the bell doesn't ring, the unpleasant might become a little bit more unpleasant, you know, especially if it's the body, can actually stay balanced with something not being exactly as I want it to be, being separated from what I want, you know. And so see if you can recognize this at some point in your experience, that there's something a little unpleasant, and the mind is willing to take it on. Okay, let me have this. You might try it at mealtime with uh, not enough cooked broccoli or too cooked broccoli. Can I actually meet that challenge <laughs> fully, you know, without the opinions and things, just with quality connection with that unpleasantness of the too cooked broccoli or not enough cooked broccoli, whatever your preference is, you know. But can I actually meet this fully, cleanly, or with balance? That's going to be really useful in life. We, and we build the confidence on little adventures like this. I can actually be with this. And then the mind will, the mind heart might remember this. A challenge will come a little bigger in life. And it's like, oh, I know there's a way to actually take it on. You know, to actually allow this to be like this, a little bit uncomfortable. You know, and it, again, it can be emotional, heartache, or some kind of sadness. Some, not when it's in the overwhelming phase, but at some point, you know, like, oh, being separated from what I want. There's a feeling of loss, loss, something's lost. <coughs> or there's a confusion, the mind is confused. Can it be okay, Pascal, that the mind is confused right now? Okay just now for a moment it's just not know it's uncertain I don't understand what's actually happening or what just happened can it be okay that I don't understand what just happened can that be okay it's a little uncomfortable can that be okay this to me is really like how to free the mind in real life because these things I'm describing uh, uh, they happen to me regularly. Life is generous in <laughs> this way. <laughs> and so again, it's not like, the, I don't want to be uncomfortable, I don't want to not know, I want to know, let me fix, you know. Oh, not knowing what's going to happen. Uncertainty. Like this. And some of the things that happen, again, are pleasant. It's amazing to learn to actually be with pleasantness fully. Often the tendency of the mind is to grab, to want more, to fear losing. You know, can I actually be? Learn to feel this. I mean, I see it even, like I sit here sometimes and the mind gets some kind of a quiet or some kind of contentment. It's like, oh, I'm content now. Like, I, I want more content. You know, like, I, I don't want to lose contentment, you know. It's like, it, it's being disturbed by its The mind is disturbed by a little something pleasant in the mind, some ease of mind. Oh, ease of mind. Now it's like, don't let anybody come by, you know. I'm, I'm easeful now, you know. Nobody should move now. Like, I found some ease, you know, and then the wind does something or somebody starts coughing, you know. 
<laughs> and so the capacity to be with something, some beautiful quality of mind, and to allow it to be known, allow it to just be there as it is, you know, and to, to feel into it, to feel into it. Ah, ease, slight ease of mind. Quietness, spacious mind. And sometimes a mind that is quiet is this is experienced as space, spacious, open. Oh, let me feel this. Sometimes it's, it's has some joy in it. Let me feel that exactly as it is, without wanting to own or, or define myself. Now I am the quiet meditator. I got it. It's me now. You, you know, just it's just like this right now. All of this, and I might be repeating, I mean, I mean, that's the only thing I do, repeat myself, but um, a, a very wise and right understanding of what we're doing is that we're studying human nature. It's, it's nature. It's the f- we're studying phenomena. It's, there's nothing personal about it. It's very strange because we take most of it very personal. I'm agitated. I'm calm. I'm really feeling it. You know, but it's actually just—it's very universal stuff. It doesn't belong to you. Con- Sorry, honey, confusion is not yours. <laughs> it's phenomena. It's very wise to start practice with that understanding. Some bit. I mean, it cannot be complete, because that would be freedom. But some understanding that, oh, what is being experienced is not personal. Some understanding of this is really helpful. And then the practice is basically just clarifying this more and more. a little bit of this wise understanding as I sit, as I walk, as I go, even lay down in my bedroom. Like, oh, look, let's see how a human being will behave in the bedroom. What do they do? You know? What does, you know? And just discover what the tendencies of human nature, you know? And this become, might become a little playful or puts a little perspective, a little distance. It's not so much describing moi, you know. It's just, oh, that's how we are, human beings. And so a little bit of wise understanding. I'm going to name you three things that you might, that might be kind of a, you might want to remember. We're studying nature, human nature, nothing personal. The job is a dedicated attention that is not forceful and that can always begin again, begin again, and build over the hours in continuity, in stability, or in refinement, you know. There's something kind of subtle, and we can apply it, it's like again and again, apply it, apply it. So that's the job. It's not forceful. It shouldn't be exhausting. And then the attitude, friendly attitude, kind attitude, 
these three things are, they can be like a little like um, you know like survival kit you know where you take you take off for the evening with solitude you know that's your kind of basic toolkit you know is this clear it's not personal we're going to see all kinds of things happening it doesn't describe me it's human nature can you be kind friendly with that and then can we be bring the most precision possible without forcing in any way you know being really interested in what's happening not what should happen not what could happen not what would be better what I really like or you know but what is actually happening now one thing it doesn't have, you don't have to know all of reality it's just one thing like the sensations in my fingers now can I really know that this is really good enough are there uh, questions or comments or some something is there something you know that, um, I mean, many of you know what you're getting into when you signed up for a retreat. You've been on a retreat or you've practiced, and so you know this is what you want to do. For some of us here, this is really new. I might have signed up, you know, to go to relax in the woods, you know. (laughs) And then I'm like, whoa, suddenly like the proposition, like this, what is the the proposal is very different. It's like, oh, suddenly it's like... uh, you know, it's there's a it's a particular exploration that is being suggested, you know, and so um, in a way, I want to uh, thank you for being willing to try it. If it's a little surprising uh, proposal, you know, and like oh, not what I thought I had signed for, you know, but in a way, it's very interesting. It's very much like life. We often don't get exactly what <laughs> what we wanted, you know. It's a very universal experience. Like, I want something and I get something else. Have you had that happen in your life? <laughs> I think on a ba- daily basis, <laughs> it happens like this. It's just a li- slightly different, completely different or slightly different. And so it's very, yeah, it's very much like life to be like this, to bring something that is not exactly what I wanted. So if it's the case, then, oh, interesting. That, that's what we're interested in in this practice. It's like, oh, it's not exactly how I wanted. How can I be with that? What is the appropriate way to, the best way to be with this? And so I think here, the probably, I mean, it might vary, but generally I would say the best way is to actually try it. Go for it. It's 48 hours, you know, or something, you know. Actually, go for it as completely as you can, you know. Drop your ideas, uh, and and try it. It's the best way to to decide after to, if it's 
right place where this stuff is garbage, or if it's, uh, it's or it's to uh, it's to be honored and developed, you know. And in terms of pleasantness, unpleasantness, maybe one thing I could say also is that um, there's, a, there's a way that the Buddha talks about uh, pleasantness, unpleasantness, or neutral, neither one or the other. There's a particular way where he says... When we have an experience, the juice, when you're a human being, the juicy part of being a human being is that it, it's this aspect of pleasant and unpleasant. You know, Things that we think, perceive, visualize, feel, smell, taste, they all come with either they're pleasant, they're unpleasant, or they might be neither pleasant or unpleasant, which is very important. It doesn't make it like you don't have to talk about it because it's neutral. No, if it's neutral, it's very important because the usual tendency is that when it's pleasant, often we want more. When it's unpleasant, we fear, we judge, we think something is wrong. You know? And when it's un- uh, neither pleasant or unpleasant, neutral, rather neutral, we kind of get bored, confused. You know. So here, as we sit, there's a lot of this. You know? There might be a lot of neutrality in your experience. Like, I'm sitting here, there's not much happening. <laughs> Something's wrong. It gets me confused, you know. I should be somewhere else doing something else because it's neutral. No, it's part of life. Neutral. And if it's unpleasant, it's also part of life, you know, that things in life will be unpleasant to be there for it. And if it's pleasant, well, it's also part of life. It's a good thing that usually keeps us hooked, <laughs> you know. But it's also so... In a way, all your experience is totally in the realm of, uh, of life, you know, and we're learning to meet it. There's another way that the Buddha talked about the... Sometimes he talked... About, this is called Vedana in Pali. That's this particular aspect of... We call it... Some, usually it's tr- translated by feeling tone. It's a feeling tone of pleasant that comes with a sound or an idea. You might recognize that, No. Some things are said you don't like. It's not, it's unpleasant to hear. Some things are really pleasant to hear or think about, you know. And so sometimes he makes a division in three, but sometimes the Buddha makes a division in six. Does that interest you? It interests me a lot because he says there's some pleasant things that happen. Let me start with unpleasant. (laughs) (laughs) Seems more accurate right now. (laughs) There's some pleasant things that happen that are entangling. (coughs) He says, really important nuance. Some pleasant things that happen, they're entangling in your life. They're going to make your life complex. They're going to bring stress. There's some things that are pleasant that are liberating. It's very different. There's also some things that are unpleasant, that are untangling. An example is something unpleasant happens, sensation in the body or a sound, 
and it's going to be entangling because I'm going to kind of like grasp it, like I don't want this, you know, like kind of block or jam. I don't know what would be the get stuck there. Like sometimes something like somebody will say something, it's unpleasant, and it's entangling because I'll think about it for weeks. You know, they said that they said I was cheap. I'm generous. Don't they know I'm generous? <laughs> Everybody agrees I'm generous. They say I'm cheap. You know, and so it's unpleasant. It's un- entangling. And he also said there's some things that are unpleasant. They're, un- they're really unpleasant. And they're liberating. Same thing with neutral stuff. Some neutral stuff happens. It's not pleasant or unpleasant. And it entangles me because it creates confusion in me and wanting something else to happen and you know, feeling like I shouldn't be here. You know? You're talking with somebody uh, in the party and it gets a little boring for a second. You know, It's kind of neutral. Then suddenly you're like, but over there, it seemed like a pleasant conversation, you know, it should, <laughs> should be over there, you know. It's entangling, the neutrality that is happening is confusing, and bring, and it can be also liberating. What we're doing here is we're trying to hang out in the realm of liberating. The only thing that we can't provide is only liberating, ple- pleasurable. But what we're trying to do is feel what is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, in a way that is going to liberate us, because we're going to bring really great care to what's happening, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And so it's going to become a vehicle, vehicle, transportation for freedom. So if I... uh, Whatever happens at any sense door, in the mind or in the skin or inside the body that is pleasant or unpleasant, the idea here is that I would be really careful with it and it would serve the development of my wisdom. So if there is a mind state that is difficult, instead of it becoming entangling, I don't want that mind state, I don't want that, you know, I want it to go and it's become more stressful. Instead of this, I'll learn to care, be compassionate. Oh, this is a difficult mind state. Let me be attentive and caring about this. It's not easy being a person feeling that mind state. So I start to develop caring qualities. That is liberating. It's unpleasant, but it's liberating. It's onward leading. It's for my benefit in the future. It's not pleasant now. But the learning how to care for it, it it makes it liberating. In the same way, if something happens here that is pleasant, then I will want to treat it with real great care, feel it, allow it to be, allow it to maybe uh, grow or vanish even. Allow the beautiful sensation to come and go in a way that I'm not going to stay entangled at the end. But it's gone, you know? Oh yeah, it came and it went. So that's the kind of movement of of, um, wisdom that we're we're trying to turn every little phenomena, be it pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, into something that can uh, help bring ease to the mind, skill to the mind, so the mind-heart here how it can hold stuff.
And so, in a way, we're safe. The soup can be good or not so good. For us, it's going to be the same. It's going to be liberating because we're going to be very careful how we enjoy the soup or how we find it unpleasant. <coughs> Do you see what I mean? <laughs> I tell this story sometimes. Of, maybe I'll finish with that. Of this uh, On a teen retreat, this uh, kid, after a few days, comes to see me and he says, uh, some of you might know the story, but I like it a lot. He says to me, uh, what's with the breakfast, man? Can't you guys afford toast? You know, what's the thing with porridge? <laughs> you know, like it's very bland. There's no taste to it. It's like colorless, tasteless, textureless. <laughs> you know, like, like, I, like I can't actually eat this, you know. And I was like, oh, well. Do you know about the six kinds of filling toast? <laughs> I said, I said, oh, it's interesting. Boredom is a very unique experience, you know, and bl- blandness also, like neutral experience, you know, like tasteless food is a very unique experience, you know. Like a, the spirit of a meditator is that one would get interested in that experience, the experience of the food itself, the taste, the but the experience of the mind also, how the mind holds it, you know. And anyway, he was like, whatever. <laughs> and he left. And at the end of the retreat, he came to see me and he was like, hey, Pas- Pascal, <laughs> I'm eating all my porridge now. Like, it's still like very bland, you know, but it's so interesting. <laughs> I was like, ah, liberating. You just gained some freedom, you know. Your happiness doesn't depend on toasts. <laughs> you know, you can have porridge, and uh, you can have what you want or not, and you can be a free person, you know, a free being. So now apply this to all the other meals <laughs> and situations in your life, you know, and you might uh, experience complete freedom at some point if you're able to meet. And it doesn't mean that you don't get involved with the world, you know, like this guy, when he goes back home, you know, if he has access to toast, he shouldn't stay with porridge. (laughs) You know, but if he goes somewhere where there's no toast, then there's freedom, you know. So it's not like, do you see what I mean? It's not like, oh, I have to stay with porridge the whole rest of my life. No, you don't, because sometimes you have choice, you know. Sometimes you can make things go away a certain way or something, but often we can't. This is what's being given, you know. Somebody leaves. That's not what I wanted, but they're, they've left. You know? I, don't, I didn't get to choose. You know? How can I actually take care of this situation? Really care for it. So this is the kind of... This is what we're playing with here. This is just... Maybe... Mm, I hope that inspires you a little bit to... to to keep going because it might sometimes it gets a little confusing. Why am I sitting here? Why am I walking here? And it's so strange. Well, this is what's happening. We're we're cultivating wisdom and an appropriate response to what's happening. If we can do it in a safe environment like this, you know, then we might be able to integrate it in a you know, much more stimulating environment. You know. So we create this laboratory where we get to really see how the mind behaves, you know, and how 
what are the alternatives. Let's take just a moment here, maybe to let the words uh, dissolve. And just to uh, become aware and know how this being is right now, what is felt, what is uh, experienced. It's really there. Whatever is there is really there. And not personal. How amazing is that? And how can you just care for a moment about whatever is there? the tiredness or the ease, the gratitude, the ache, (coughs) the confusion, the joy, the warmth. Thanks very much for your your attention, for your practice today. Bon appétit. <laughs>